Today is Wednesday, September 15th. The title for our devotional is Construction. Yesterday, we read the story of the Apostle Paul. His story is one of construction followed by a dramatic deconstruction and reconstruction. Today, let's focus on the faith he constructed and then deconstructed. Tomorrow, we will look at how he reconstructed his faith. Here in Philippians 3, we see a glimpse of Paul's faith before coming to know Jesus, and therefore what he needed to deconstruct in order to construct his life around Christ. Philippians 3, 1 through 11, the apostle Paul writes, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So before we get into unpacking Paul's history, his past, and and his constructed faith before meeting Jesus, let's take a brief look at the context found in verses 1 through 4. Paul here is quite clearly incensed with the Judaizers. It is a group of Jews who taught that new converts to Christ needed to be circumcised and essentially follow the Old Testament Jewish way of life. He's so upset that he, ironically, he calls them dogs. This is ironic because uh, dogs is the Jewish derogatory term reserved for Gentiles. And here the Jews are demanding that Gentiles be more like Jews. So you get it. He calls them dogs, he calls them evildoers, and then he calls them mutilators of the flesh. He calls them mutilators of the flesh because the Judaizers were demanding that new converts who were formerly Gentiles, converts to Christianity, needed to be circumcised. Circumcision is, was much different then than it is now in the sense that circumcision was the sign that uh, for, for a Jewish convert that they were now becoming Jewish. It was the sign that you are part of the people of God. Um, so they were demanding that new Christian men be circumcised and Paul's saying no. <laughs> not, not the case. Uh, he then goes on to claim that those who follow his gospel that he teaches about Jesus are the true circumcision, that is, the true people of God. Remember, circumcision in this context just means a marker or identification that one is a part of the people of God. Uh, this is because they serve God by the Spirit, Paul says. They, they boast in Christ, in Christ alone, and they put then no confidence in the flesh. That is in their circumcision, their Jewish identity, their self-righteousness, as he goes on to explain later. He goes then into how um, he indeed has more reason to boast in the flesh than any of these Judaizers or these people who want to make the Gentiles who converted to Christ uh, follow the Jewish traditions. He, but he's refusing to do so. This is a not-so-subtle jab at the Judaizers' approach to faith. He uses a very similar line of reasoning in 2 Corinthians 10-12 through 12, where he kind of tongue-in-cheek asks the Corinthians to put up with some of his foolish boasting. And he goes on and boasts about how he has more right than all of the super apostles who are trying to influence the Corinthian church. Uh, he has more right to boast in the flesh than they do. Again, Judaizers trying to influence the church there as well. 
So in his reasons to have confidence in the flesh, we see his strict adherence to the Jewish faith, which he needed to deconstruct. We see first his Hebrew identity. The first four things he mentions get at this, the circumcision, like we already talked about, the external mark for the people of God. He's a part of the people of Israel. He's an Israelite. Uh, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, one of his Israel, that's Jacob's favorite sons in the Old Testament, and the tribe of Israel, uh, of, of Israel's first king, Saul, also the tribe that remained faithful when many others did not. So it was a point of pride for him. He says he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. For the Jews, uh, this would be a big deal. Being a descendant of Abraham meant that they were a part of God's chosen people. They held very closely to their status as descendants of Abraham, and they held this with great pride. He then says that he's a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee meant that Paul knew the law of Moses better than just about anyone. Elsewhere, we learn that he studied under Gamaliel and was a brilliant student. In Galatians 1, he tells us that he was a star student in Judaism, advanced beyond many others his age. Not only did he spend years of his life learning the law, but this also gave him great respect in the community, as well as a stable career. And third was zeal. Paul didn't just know what he believed, he was also willing to act on it. He believed so strongly in the Hebrew scriptures that he was willing to persecute the early followers of Jesus to preserve the sacred tradition of the Hebrew people. Remember, in the Old Testament, when people, uh, when people, the people of Israel would wander away from the true God and worship idols and false gods, it was the job of the people of Israel to purify their community and to worship God and worship God alone. So Paul thought that he was doing God's work. He viewed the Jesus movement as a distortion of the truth, and he had the zeal to act on it and do what was right, which many in the Old Testament were commended for. He did this out of what he thought was devotion to God. Fourth is his self-righteousness. Finally, in this list of, of uh, when he's doing these little virtue signals, he points to his personal righteousness under the law of Moses. He says that he was faultless. His moral compass was guided by the law, which he knew thoroughly. And he also had the zeal and the discipline to follow through on what he knew to be right. So he put a lot of trust in his own righteousness. So when we look at this list, Paul had a lot to be proud of in terms of his religious accomplishments, his faith structure, his doctrine. Brilliant guy. This is the culture he was born into and the faith that he constructed. He deconstructed it all when he met Jesus. Remember, it took him three years of basically isolation and solitude in Arabia to figure this out. The Judaizers, whom he rebukes, did not. They attempted to cling to their Jewish cultural identity, their traditions, their beliefs that were not in line with the gospel of Jesus, and Paul would have none of it. Each of these themes we will unpack in more detail throughout this campaign as we look at the stories of others whom Jesus encountered during his ministry. For additional content, I've linked you to the Bible Project video on the book of Philippians. Uh, this section on this chapter starts at 6 minutes and 10 seconds, but obviously I'd encourage you to listen or watch the entire thing. For reflection today, just spend a few moments thinking about the con your construction phase of faith. What kind of church were you raised in? What were some of the theological beliefs? How, how did you see faith lived out? How was faith spoken of and lived out in your home? Who was super influential in your faith journey? What preachers did you listen to or follow? What books did you read? So spend a few moments thinking on your construction phase of faith.